Welcome to the Kyiv Post podcast, where you can tune into stories that give you a deeper understanding of Ukraine. I'm your host, Alina Kent. I'm a multimedia producer and lifestyle journalist here at the Kyiv Post. This week, we're discussing what's been on everyone's minds. The recently announced deal between the US and Germany giving a green light to complete the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Here to discuss his article on the topic is our staff writer, Max Hunter, who has been closely following the story. Hi, Max. Hello. Thanks for having me. Tell us about these recent developments with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So on Wednesday evening, Germany and the US made a joint statement which signaled America's approval and blessing of uh, Germany's completion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. We had about a day to digest this news before it was officially announced because it had been leaked on Tuesday evening. And then at Wednesday evening, Kiev time, um, late evening Kiev time, uh, became official. They made the statement. That was followed by Ukrainian and Polish foreign ministers making a statement vehemently opposing this and critiquing this thing. This is a significant shift because up until this point, America had been against the completion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline since the start of its construction in 2015. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline is an addition to the current Nord Stream pipeline that was finished in 2011, an undersea pipeline that transports 55 billion cubic meters of gas from Russia to Germany every year. Yeah, that's right. And Nord Stream 2 will double current capacity, making it possible for Russia to send 110 billion cubic meters to Germany annually under the Baltic Sea. The completion of the pipeline will mean a significant economic hit for Ukraine. In 2020, Ukraine made $2.1 billion from transit fees. Yeah, so last year, uh, in 2020, Russia sent 55.8 billion cubic meters of gas through Ukraine. Now, obviously, 55 billion cubic meters is the capacity of this new pipeline. Uh, It's about to be finished. So, in theory, if they keep sending the same volume of gas they did in 2020, that means they shouldn't need Ukraine pretty much at all. They'll probably still send some gas through in reality, but it will be massively decreased and cutting gas supply off through Ukraine, cutting it off completely, will become very, very easy for Russia. Beyond the threat to Ukraine's energy sector, the country stands to lose one of its most significant remaining deterrents against further Russian attacks. Russia has needed Ukraine's pipelines to send gas to Europe, so it would be equally problematic for Russia to transfer gas if there were a full-out war or invasion. Now that the obstacle of how to get gas to Europe is essentially out of the way, there isn't much stopping them from further aggression. And Russia's moves the last few months have already caused major concern in addition to this new development, as troops on the border of Donbass amassed over the past several months. Um, If it's not useful to them anymore, it's a big deterrent gone, and now they have much more freedom to do as they please in Ukraine. Germany gets around a third of its gas from the Netherlands, another third from Norway, and about 35% to 40% from Russia. As gas production is heavily scaled back in the Netherlands with talks of doing away with it by 2030, Germany will have to drastically increase its need for gas from other sources. That 35% reliance on Russia could grow. I don't know how much the reliance on Russia will grow, but it certainly could. Uh, It's got the possibility to. And if it does that, well, how could you rely on Germany if you're Ukraine? It's an unreliable ally. It's not somebody who is likely to be willing to fight for you diplomatically or physically. Although the US and Germany pledged to hit Russia with sanctions if the Kremlin uses the Nord Stream 2 pipeline as a weapon against Ukraine, the promises are not doing much to appease Ukraine. Yeah, the the promises are arguably quite empty. Uh, So basically the context of 
this is that Germany has always been close to Russia than most of Ukraine's other allies. Because of this historic thing called Ostpolitik that developed in the 60s and 70s as a way for Germany to maintain good relations with Russia, kind of policy direction, uh, because they want to make amends after the horrific destruction of World War II. And a lot of people in Washington foreign policy circles argue that that continues to this day. And Germany also has a huge demand for gas. They use a lot of gas for power stations. Uh, and gas is used in the steel making process. They have a lot of steel plants. Uh, they need even more gas now than ever, uh, probably over 100 billion cubic meters a year. It's currently at about 90. It's going to be over 100 billion soon because they're decommissioning their remaining nuclear power plants. They have six reactors, nuclear reactors still going. They're decommissioning them. In 2011, Merkel decided after Fukushima she was going to end nuclear power use in Germany by 2022, so next year. Uh, so Germany's always been pro Nord Stream 2, and that's always been the one question mark uh, over Germany states' reliable ally, their energy needs. Meanwhile, the United States has disappointed Ukrainians and many feel betrayed. Biden waived the hard sanctions that the Trump administration had put in place. And although the US and Germany promised a $1 billion green fund as an effort to further support Ukraine's energy security, it isn't enough to appease the risks and worries for Ukraine. So people are trumpeting this, this $1 billion number, and they shouldn't be. It's misleading. Um, it says $1 billion in the text, but basically that's a, a promise to attract a billion dollars of investment from third parties into the renewable energy sphere, which is currently famous in Ukraine for not having any new investment in it at all for a year because of the horrible conditions that have been created by uh, mismanagement of energy regulation and very erratic behavior from the government and the energy ministry in managing the sphere. To say that Germany is going to attract a billion dollars of investment into a sphere that nobody wants right to invest in right now is just ridiculous. Um, so realistically, we're looking at $175 million of uh, an initial donation from Germany into this fund and a separate uh, energy envoy who's going to have another $70 million to spend for clean energy projects in Ukraine. Now, this is a fig leaf. It's nothing. It's, it's a joke. Uh, it, that put together is not even 10% about 10% of, of what Ukraine is going to lose in a year. Ukraine got $2.1 billion last year from transit fees. Uh, and that added together is not even 15% of that figure. It's nothing. Um, and I think the Ukrainian government was right to reject this deal and not be silenced by America. Another factor worth mentioning in this story is the hand that kleptocracy may have played and the risk of further corrupting democratic institutions. Nord Stream 2 really got off the ground in, in large part thanks to Gerhard Schroeder, who was a former chancellor of, of Germany from 1998-2006 for the Social Democratic Party, which is the centre-left party there. What he did when he left office was just extraordinary. And I don't know how there hasn't been a huge criminal investigation into this and people in Germany have just accepted it. Several days after he quit the chancellorship, he took a position uh, of the chairman of the board of Nord Stream AG, uh, 
This was the company that constructed Nord Stream 1. Now, this is pretty bad. It gets even worse uh, when you consider that the month before he took that position, while still chancellor, his government agreed a minimum of 1 billion euros of German government funding for the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Uh, it's, it's an unbelievable level of kleptocracy. Uh, people I spoke to said that this is a green light for kleptocracy, the, the Nord Stream 2 agreement being pushed through right now. And it shows to Russia, and not just to Russia, but to every other corrupt dictatorship with loads of money from oil and gas, uh, which they can throw around lobby politicians, that decisions can be bought. It shows uh, that decisions can be influenced and outcomes can be bought with 300,000 euros a year, which is what they were paying Schroeder um, in one of his board positions. Uh, it, can show, it shows that you can buy our democracy and decision-making process for that small amount of money. And that's just going to start an open season on other projects. And it's going to mean that in the West, politicians have more and more offers from these dictatorships. That was this week's episode of the Kyiv Post podcast. I'm your host, Alina Kent. You can further read the multiple stories about Nord Stream 2 in this week's Kyiv Post issue online at kyivpost.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms and follow along the Kyiv Post website. Stay safe, stay home, and subscribe to the Kyiv Post.